Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, fellas, welcome back to the channel. Today we're going to be looking at the third-year running backs in the NFL, some guys who maybe need to take that step forward this year, some guys who have been dealing with injuries, a handful, four players I'll deep dive into, our honorable mention, a few of them. And it's important to note that this video is going to be part one of two videos for the third-year running backs. I ended up recording the entire video, and it is pretty lengthy, so I want to break it down into two parts. Part one will be the first two third-year running backs, a little bit extra as well, in this specific video. And then part two, be sure to check it out shortly. Shortly after it will release a few days later will be the final two third-year running backs that we want to focus on on this specific video, along with three honorable mentions. I'm not going to be talking about Saquon Barkley. I'm not going to be talking about Nick Chubb today. If you want deep dives on those players, I actually did my running back rankings. They're both top 10 running backs for me as at least right now of this recording. So I don't really need to do a deeper dive on what their prospects are going to be because we assume Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, they're already elite guys. They've already broken out. But these other guys, these other handful of guys who have had shaky first few seasons, who now have crowded backfields. What is their outlook as they enter a pivotal third year? They have two years of a sample on them. This is a make or break year for a lot of these guys. So we'll get down into it. We'll break down into it. As always here, we relax, we kick back, we go dive, we educate ourselves on some of the stuff happening as we enter into the fantasy football 2020 season. So I appreciate you all being here, taking the time. If you get any value from this specific video, please do hit the like button and smash that subscribe button. It really does help me doing those things, reach more people. We're getting a ton of traction on these videos and I cannot wait for more people to be able to see them as we get even closer to the fantasy football season. Now, in every single one of my videos, we do a question of the day. And today's question of the day is going to be, would you rather have Sony Michelle or James White? Which Patriots running back for the 2020 fantasy football season? Let me know down below in the comment section. And also hop into the Discord. It's totally free. It's just a chatting app where there's a ton of people. It's a website as well that are just talking about NFL, similar to Reddit, except it's a specific Discord channel for myself, all the followers, the community here, totally free down below. So you can enter into there. You can answer the question of the day. You can hit the subscribe, all those things. So thank you so much. I'm excited to break down into these third year running backs because you're not going to hear a lot about these players just in general, more so from a lot of analysts and just around football, because they're not the flashy rookies. They're not the breakout superstars. They're not entering into their second year now, which is an exciting topic to talk about for guys like Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Devin Singletary, running backs who as rookies broke out. These third year guys kind of get left by the wayside if you're not the Saquon Barkley-esque just superstar player in the league in your third year. Whereas I think they're entering into the most pivotal spot for really any player in the entire NFL, right? Running backs are just losing value. Entering into your third year is a make or break year. If you're going to enter or get a second contract from anybody worth a damn outside of just being a backup running back. So it's going to be pivotal. We're going to break down into these players and we're going to start right now. So we'll start with the man who's part of the question of the day today. And that is Sony Michelle, New England Patriots running back. We'll take a look at his first two seasons to start off last season. Not so great. 38.2% of the snaps. He saw a ton of usage, 247 carries. When you factor in his receptions, he had 12 of those for 94 yards on 20 targets. He ended up seeing over 250 touches. He ended up seeing 259 total touches to be exact. Now that's fantastic. He saw 45 red zone attempts, which ranked 10th in the NFL, 2.8 per game, but he only saw 9.6 fantasy points per game. That was 40th. You can see all the numbers right now on the screen. 3.6 yards per carry outside the top 50. Outside the top 40 was his breakaway run percentage, which is runs of 15 or more yards. So sort of your explosiveness, not really there for Sony Michelle. 1.24 yards created per touch was 54th outside the top 50. All this was not that great. The Patriots last year had the 21st ranked run blocking unit on offense. So below average for sure, bottom third of the league, really. So that's going to factor into some of these numbers. And Sony Michel is props to him, although he was not very efficient and effective last year in terms of a per touch standpoint, especially compared to some other running backs in his backfield that we'll touch on in a little bit. He was 14th overall in the entire NFL in running back pass protection. And that's a big reason why he would stay on the field more. Pass protection with Tom Brady back there, you need to be on the field a good amount more. Now he only played 38% of the snaps, but being as inefficient as he was last year, you probably would have expected him to play even less snaps, but he was such a good pass protector. He was good around the goal line that 
that he got those snaps he got on the field and was able to secure 259 total touches. Now, what did he do in 2018 as a rookie when, in my opinion, he had a better season? In 2018 as a rookie, he played in 13 games. He played on 36.2% of the snaps, so right around the similar amount of snaps, 209 carries and seven receptions. And again, just keep in mind, he played three less games. So on a per-touch standpoint, he pretty much saw 16, 15 to 16 touches per game in both of these seasons. So very similar usage and volume in both years. He saw 43 red zone touches, which is about 3.3 per game. That was eighth in the NFL. So just getting a ton of red zone usage, that's good for fantasy purposes. 10.7 fantasy points per game. He ranked 32nd in true yards per carry. Here's the big one though. We talked about yards created in 2019. He ranked 54th in that department. Last year in 2018 or two years ago, he ranked sixth with 1.85 yards created per touch and 3.8 evaded tackles per game. He was an absolute beast in 2018 when it came to just picking up and doing more for himself and creating more yards on his own. The offensive line ranked 18th in 2018, so three spots higher. It really didn't change all that much in terms of run blocking efficiency. He was just being more effective on his own. And you can see Graham Barfield's tweet here because the biggest difference, in my opinion, from 2018 to 2019 was the efficiency, was the elusiveness. He started to see overall less efficiency in creating yards and true yards per carry, although the offensive line stayed relatively the same, although his volume and and usage in that offense stayed relatively the same. And you can see Graham Barfield's tweet. He was the second worst ranked running back on a minimum of 100 carries for running backs in yards after contact. Only Tevin Coleman was worse last year. So he was ranked 45th out of 46 running backs in this department out of guys who had 100 or more carries to meet the standards. That is not good. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Evaded tackles went down. You saw in 28 he was averaging almost four evaded tackles per game. And that piles on more yards created and yards after contact for yourself. Last year, he just wasn't doing it. And if I could point to one big culprit, I would say in 2018, his rookie year, he only played 13 games. He missed those three games during the season with a knee sprain. And ever since injuring his knee, it was the same exact knee that he hurt in the 2017 SEC championship game. He just has not looked the same after contact. I don't know if it's actually the knee slowing him down, losing some of his burst and agility as a young running back, or if it's part mental, it's probably a little bit of both. And that's been a concern since injuring his knee, his rookie season, he has not been the same running back. He's looked a lot slower. looks like he lost a step and looks very timid. So what did the Patriots do in the off season? Is anything going to affect Sony Michelle for an offensive line that when it comes to run blocking has pretty much ranked around average to slightly below average the last two or three years. And really since Sony Michelle has been in the NFL. Well, in terms of additions for this team, they did not do much. They get Danny Vitale, who is a fullback that'll help and kind of factor into Sony Michelle but they lose James Devlin, who's been a huge, huge piece of their offense, a fullback who, yes, even though he's a fullback, their offense really uh, it was built around the fullback on, I would say a third of their plays maybe since James Devlin was there. So that is a decent loss losing James Devlin. They pick up some like third and fourth string wide receivers on different teams from Demir Bird, who was like the wide receiver three and wide receiver four last year for the Cardinals. Marquise Lee, who can just never get on the field for the Jaguars was like their wide receiver four. They obviously lose Tom Brady. They lose some pieces in terms of their center, Ted Karras. In the NFL draft, they pick up a ton of linemen which is what they need. They get three offensive linemen, two in the sixth round, one in the seventh round, and then two tight ends in terms of offense, Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene. Keene's going to be more of a, a blocker. Devin Asiasi can do a little bit of both, a huge, huge body player, I believe out of UCLA, both third round tight ends. So the NFL draft was really loaded up for the running game, right? Offensive lineman, a blocking tight end, another tight end who could block, but also catch. So that's good to see. They get another fullback to replace James Devlin. So a lot of what they did in the offseason uh, was really improving the offensive line, improving just the running game in general, which might be a hint of what they're going to do. They didn't get a wide receiver in the draft. Got a couple of just scrubby wide receivers, honestly, in free agency. So really didn't do a lot for a guy in Jared Stidham. Although they do have Nikhil Harry. They do have Julian Edelman. They do have James White. They have some talented pieces already there, but they bolstered up the offensive line and it looks like they're going to try and run the ball a good amount more based on what they did in the NFL draft. So that helps Sony Michelle, but this is a very pivotal year for him. I currently think he's a value in drafts for fantasy football at where he's currently going, but I also think that the concern 
concerns of how inefficient he was last year are major, major concerns, especially when you factor in who's in his backfield, two of the most efficient backs in the entire NFL. So if you start struggling, if you're Sony Michelle to get any sort of efficiency, any sort of yards after contact, yards created, now it's very easy to go away from you and go to some of these other running backs in the backfield. And there's a lot of them, starting with James White, Rex Burkhead, Brandon Bolden, uh, Damian Harris, who's a second round pick who they only used for one game last year, and then JJ Taylor, who was a new acquisition for this specific season. Starting with James White in 2019, 44% of the snaps, only ran the ball 67 times, but had 72 receptions on 95 targets. He was second in the NFL in yards per touch, 16th in fantasy points per opportunity, and he is entering into a contract year. Rex Burkhead was also out there for 27% of the snaps, dealt with injuries himself. He only ran the ball 65 times, but he caught 27 of 38 targets. He was fourth in the NFL. So you have James White second. He was fourth in yards per touch with 6.3. A big reason why is these guys are not running the ball as much. They're catching the ball. And when you're going to catch the ball, normally your yards are going to be more on those specific touches. So it skews in your direction if you're primarily a pass catching running back, which these guys for the most part were. He was 38th in fantasy points per opportunity, 12th in true yards per carry. So very efficient on the ground in terms of Rex Burkhead compared to James White and definitely compared to Sony Michelle last year. And he's also entering into a contract year. So guys who are a little bit more motivated maybe than Sony Michelle, who still has a couple of years left on his contract, if they're going to pick up his fifth year option since he was a first round pick, but he has at least this year and next year left on the contract in New England. And then they have Damian Harris, who was the rookie draft pick last year for them early in the draft. He only played in one game, only played on 5% of the snaps, four carries for 12 yards, 2.9 yards per carry on the smallest sample you could possibly have. But in 2018, while he was at college at Bama, 150 carries for 876 yards, nine touchdowns. And he did catch 22 of 23 targets for over 200 yards. You still have Brandon Bowman back there, who's a special teams player, but they also use him as well. And he's also another guy who's in another contract year. So a lot of running backs fighting for contracts in this New England backfield, but it's dangerous. Like I said, for Michelle, the biggest thing is that he's in dangerous waters of being inefficient when you're in a backfield with a high draft capital pick in, in Harris, a guy that they really like in Brandon Bolden all across the field, a darling of Bill Belichick, if you will, very similar to Slater, very similar to James Devlin and Rex Burkett. He just loves these players. Then Burkett and James White are all in this backfield and Burkett and James White, of course, are very, very efficient running backs. So at his current ADP, if he's going to continue to get a ton of, ton of red zone touches, I like him. The concern there though, is this is not the same Tom Brady offense. What if the offense doesn't get to the red zone as much? And even if he plays the whole season, he's seeing 35, 30 red zone attempts instead of the 45 he's been averaging the last two seasons. That's a big knock against him. We know he doesn't catch the ball, especially with what's in his backfield. He needs to become efficient. He needs to break tackles. That is the biggest thing for him. If he is fully healthy, if he is in shape, if he is breaking tackles and creating yards on his own, this offense will thrive a lot more and he will thrive individually at his current ADP. If he is not, he's going to be very much the same as he was last year and likely get threatened by a guy in Damian Harris this year. So for me, Sony Michelle right now is slightly a value in drafts, but overall, if, if you don't want to go to him, I understand. I think he's a late round guy. If he's your running back three or four, I think that's nice. If he's your RB2, definitely not your RB1, but if he's like your RB2, or a guy you have to rely on in the flex spot, you're probably not drafting all that great. Get him as a depth piece. Get him as like an RB4, whereas if this offense does well and he's back to his rookie year self before his injury, he could really be a top 25 running back for you. And that's really good value as he's currently going around the RB40 range. Another third year running back to discuss is Ronald Jones in Tampa Bay with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Last year, he played in all 16 games, played on 37.5% of the snaps. This this offense was split pretty much right down the middle with Peyton Barber, with Dereo Gumbawale, the rookie last year, and then last year's second year running back in Ronald Jones all pretty much played around 35 to 30% of the snaps or so. He saw 172 carries for 726 yards and six touchdowns, actually caught 31 of 41 targets. I think he had like an eight reception game, so heavily skews his overall production, but he had 309 receiving yards. He sneakily went over a thousand total yards. He had 21 red zone attempts, which is just 1.3 per game, 39th in the NFL, 10.4 fantasy points per game. Based on where you were drafting him last year as a flex option, wasn't awful, 35th overall that finished as, but here's some things that kind of look decent. 5.1 yards per touch was 22nd, 3.9 true yards 
yards per carry was 36. These are not great numbers, but you were drafting Ronald Jones last year as like a borderline top 30 running back. And that's kind of what he produced as 40th in yards created per touch. He did have 48 evaded tackles, which ranked top 25 in the NFL. So that was good to see. But here's the biggest thing. Here's the biggest issue, especially when you have an older veteran quarterback who wants security in Tom Brady back there. Ronald Jones ranked 119th among running backs last year in pass protection, a 38.4 grade. That was absolutely awful. The Bucks offensive line last year in run blocking ranked 13th overall, and that likely only improves this year as they add Tristan Worf on the offensive line. In 2018, Ronald Jones only played in six games. He only played on 20.8% of the snaps. He only had 23 carries, seven receptions, so 30 total touches. But on those 30 total touches, just four evaded tackles. That was not good at all. He was 62nd in run blocking, so slightly below average, but nowhere near as bad as he was last year when he got a bigger sample of his pass protection abilities. And the Bucks O-line ranked 30th in 2018. So this took a huge step forward. They're likely going to stay the same or take another step forward this year, in my opinion. And the pass protection entering into year three is going to be the Achilles heel or the saving grace for Ronald Jones. The fact that there was an offseason of things where the team couldn't work out as much because of the pandemic, Dorel Gumbawale we just saw recently was catching passes from Tom Brady. So honestly, that might give him an edge over some of these other running backs. Ronald Jones has the experience in this offense. Keyshawn Vaughn is there. So this is some of the backfield competition as I'll pop up some of the names right now on the screen. Keyshawn Vaughn, Dorel Gumbawale, and Raymond Calais. So what you have there is a second year running back, a pass catching guy in Dorel Ogumbawale, who last season only ended up having 11 carries on the year and he played in pretty much all the games, but he did catch 35 balls on 46 targets. He was 11th in fantasy points per opportunity with 1.32, mainly due to the heavy passing game involvement and not much on the ground. And then the rest of the backfield is just two rookies, which again, there's an off season where they don't get to practice as much. These rookies can't get as involved in the offense and Tom Brady maybe doesn't have that much trust and security in them right out of the gate. The first one was Keyshawn Vaughn, who was an earlier draft pick for them in round three, the 12th overall pick in round three out of Vanderbilt, where he played four years there. You can see his profile right now. These are some profiles that'll be included in my draft guide, which is releasing, depending on when you're watching this, it might already be out. It'll be releasing the second week of June. So as I record this in a couple of weeks, but you can be sure to check the description for that. Draft guide is only going to cost you 10 bucks and has months and months of information. All the rookie profiles for every single rookie that was drafted in terms of the offensive side of the ball at running back, tight end and wide receiver. They will look like this one for Keyshawn Vaughn. Some of them even more in depth. All of them are more in depth with pros and cons as well. But for the purpose of this video, I'm just going to put the stats out there from his career and 2019. So you can see last year, over a thousand yards, nine touchdowns, did catch 28 of 38 targets and a very elite for a running back in college, 10% of the team's target share. Anytime you're above like seven or 8%, it starts to look good. When you hit double digit percentage as a running back in their team's target share in college, it's really, really good. So he transferred out of Illinois. He ended up going to Vanderbilt where he started to play really well, including last year. His strengths are pass catching. He's not great in between the tackles, but he's very good at pass protection, which is something that Ronald Jones extremely struggles with. Bawale did not have a lot of pass protection responsibilities last year. And Raymond Kalelis, the seventh round pick, probably plays a lot of special teams. You can see Raymond Kalelis' overall profile right now. I have it up here. Uh, went to Louisiana Lafayette for four years. He was picked in the seventh round, the third pick in the seventh round. You can see overall in his career, he didn't get a ton of overall usage in the four years there, kind of buried behind other guys. He probably profiles out as a special teams player who might be involved in the passing game. He didn't get a lot of opportunity to catch passes, but he did catch 17 and 19 targets. And he profiles that as one of his biggest strengths to be in the passing game. So it's kind of just a hodgepodge of running backs in this backfield. Obviously, the most experienced is Ronald Jones. He has probably the best on the ground, pure running ability. But then you take into account, he's very bad in terms of his pass protection, or at least that's what it was last year. He's a below average pass catcher. And a guy in Keyshawn Vaughn is an above average pass catcher and above average pass protector coming in. I do not think Keyshawn Vaughn is this fantastic pick that is highly getting drafted in like the six rounds of drafts right now for fantasy. That's extreme. I think Ronald Jones is the running back to have at current ADP in this backfield. Or you can even argue with me that 
for free, Dore Ogunbowale, if you're in deep bench leagues, just keep him on your bench because he's a PPR guy who already has a year of experience in this offense. And he already has some experience now with Tom Brady catching passes in the offseason. So to be completely honest with you, I mean, Raymond Calais, we're not going to just touch on as a guy we really want to own yet, maybe in dynasty. But when it comes to the running back that I want to own in this backfield, it probably goes Dore Ogunbowale, Ronald Jones, and then Keyshawn Vaughn if you're factoring ADP, which means if you're factoring in their price point, what kind of draft capital you have to spend on them in your fantasy drafts. I think Ronald Jones is a fine pick where he's currently going. I think Dore Ogunbowale, Bowali is a steal if you just have deeper benches to actually keep him on there and stash him on. I think Keyshawn Vaughn is going way too early and you're paying for a guy's ceiling who has a rookie with no offseason and no OTAs with a veteran quarterback might not be the best thing to be doing. So just looking at what the Bucks did in the offseason, well, they obviously added Gronk and Brady. They also added an offensive lineman in Joe Hay for the 13th overall ranked run blocking unit last year. They had Joe Hay, they had Tristan Morphs. I think this offensive line is going to be even better as they don't really lose much on it. They obviously lose Jameis Winston, Peyton Barber, running back who is out of this backfield now and in a crowded, crowded backfield, I believe in Washington. Rashad Perriman is now gone. And then the NFL draft, they obviously get Raymond Calais, Keyshawn Vaughn, the two rookies we just talked about. And then the tackle Tristan Morph was their first round pick who they traded up one spot for. So overall, the way that I'm looking at this is I like the value of Ronald Jones in drafts. Again, you don't want him as your RB2. You don't want him as your RB3. But if you're getting Ronald Jones in the later rounds of drafts in your, your 10-man leagues in the ninth round of drafts is where he's currently going in your 12-man leagues. Maybe you get him in the eighth round as your RB4. And now he's a guy who, as long as he can produce, he's probably going to get the early touches and ability. If he can start to produce and he takes a step forward and pass protection like Aaron Jones did last year. Aaron Jones was an absolute beast in pass protection and he never was before. And it let him stay on the field a little bit more. I want to say a beast in pass protection, but improved his pass protection. And that let him stay on the field more with Aaron Rodgers. If Ronald Jones is able to do that and stay on the field more and has just more experience in the league. And is in my opinion, the better running back just on the pure ground. Yeah. It's a situation now where, yeah, he can see more touches and now you're paying later rounds, three rounds later for Ronald Jones. And you're paying for Keyshawn Vaughn when Keyshawn Vaughn likely plays less snaps as a rookie, at least profiles out to start the season that way. So Ronald Jones, I think is a draft value right now. I don't think he's a superstar. I don't think he's a breakout, but I think if you're just looking for an RB4, he's a nice draft value because people are devaluing him because they're way, way overhyping Keyshawn Vaughn at this point in the process. So that's going to include part one of these third year running backs breakdowns. Be sure to look out for part two. And probably by the time you're watching this, it's already released. I'll be sure to link it up in the description below, as well as at the end of this video on the end screen, you can check out part three where I'll break down two more running backs. The next one is going to be on Johnson is a little bit of a teaser, as well as three honorable mentions. I appreciate you tuning into this video. Thank you so much. Be sure to get into the free Discord link down below. Smash the like button. Take a second at a time. Smash the like button. Hit that subscribe button. That's the biggest thing. It allows them to see that you're engaging with my content. YouTube, that is. Shows it to more people. And tap the notification bell. All those things, if you appreciate this content, will help more people find it. So thank you so much in advance for all of that. And lastly, Superdraft is the sponsor of this video. Superdraft is just a daily fantasy sports platform. Different types of stuff. It's a multiplier format. So if you want to get in on Superdraft and try it for the first time for all the sports that are currently going on, or maybe even some future sports, the promo code SAL, for those of you on the podcast, I'll spell it out, S-A-L, but it's on the screen right now, as you can see on YouTube, it'll get you 100% deposit match. So you want to put $20 in, try it out. They'll give you $20 for free. You only want to put 10 bucks in, see if it's your thing. They'll give you $10 for free. You get an extra entry in there, a little more play over on the Daily Fantasy Sports sites. So that'll be linked up in the description below. Or while you're on Superdraft, you can just use that promo code SAL to get the credit. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. I appreciate you all, and I will see you in part two or in whichever next video that you find 2020 fantasy football playlist will also be linked up on the end screen thank you see you in the next one